it's great to have Rich with us. And um, he's journeyed with us for a few years now. And uh, we've been deep, deeply in, great, uh, in gratitude to him for the way he's led us and um, along with Alan Hirsch and um, really led us on an incredible journey of of missional discovery and particularly looking at missional DNA um, as amongst many other things. And um, yeah, we love him. So all we need to say is we just love him. He's such a real incredible man of God and um, just want to say, you know, he, he's got so much credibility on the things he wants to say and a real heart and a passion for God. So before we get started, I'd just like to pray for you, Rich, if that's okay. Father, oh, we come before you tonight and um, we just come before you, just thankful that you are our God. You are a mighty and awesome God. Awesome in my wonder, awesome in might, just awesome in just your powerful love for each of us. And I, we come before you and I just want to say tonight, thank you. Thank you for the gift of Rich. Thank you for the gift of this, of your holy man, to us and to your church. Thank you for the blessing he is and the thank you for the way he has submitted to you and a thank you for the way you use him and you speak through him. Father, we just pray for him tonight. We just pray, pour your anointing upon him tonight. Oh, Father, just pour yourself out upon him tonight. Speak through him, use him. And I pray for us as we listen, that Father, Holy Spirit, anoint us to hear the words that you want to speak directly to our hearts. So we just pray, come, come Holy Spirit and come in might and power, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrea. And really just such a privilege to be with you. It's been wonderful, as Andrea said. I, I've enjoyed the journey just much as uh, Andrew and Andrea have the joy of being able to journey with the Salvation Army over the last couple of years, looking at movement dynamics. So unlocking the movement potential within the church, the movemental Christianity that we are wired for, that Jesus modelled, gifted to the early church and is ours for the taking. It's ours to recapture and to reimagine. And so what I'm going to look at tonight is really thinking through the mindset, but also the skill set of movement leadership. So the mindset and skill set of movement leadership, how do we need to think and how do we need to act? And I want to start with a quote. And the quote is this, there is no improving the future without first disrupting the present. There is no improving the future without first disrupting the present. They are the words of a certain Catherine Booth. They are words that are your words, your heritage, your lineage, your identity, your ministry as the Salvation Army. You have within your heritage and history such disruption not going the same way, not just going with the flow, but disrupting the status quo, going to the edge, doing the new, going first. And what we've experienced in the last two, two and a half, three years in COVID has been disruption. The present has been disrupted. It's not us as disruptors. 
it is COVID and circumstance and culture disrupting us. Our self and our systems have been stress tested. A term, VUCA, V-U-C-A, that existed before the last two and a half years, but has been used on repeat over the last two and a half years as we've journeyed through COVID. The world is volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. VUCA, V-U-C-A, volatile. Doesn't it feel volatile and hasn't it felt volatile over the last three years? Uncertain, complex, ambiguous. We have been disrupted in the last two and a half years. And in that disruption, there is a shift going on. And we have a chance to either lean into that shift or to pull back from that shift. And the joy and the grace for you as pioneers on this call is we as pioneers love change. We don't always enjoy change, but we love change. We're wired for seeing that potential for something new. And so as we talk tonight about the skill set and mindset of movement leadership, I want you to hold disruption, the thought of disruption in your mind, what you've experienced and we've experienced, but also what we are wired for, because Jesus was the ultimate disruptor. Think of the religious system of the day. Think of the religious leaders of the day. Think of the everyday person's mindset of the Messiah. Think of those average everyday fishermen, the tax collectors, the religious activists. Jesus came into the present. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He came into the present and his disruption brought a response in every single person. Nobody was ambivalent to Jesus. Nobody was vanilla, meh, not interested. They either loved him or hated him. I want to crucify him or coronate him. He's a hero or a villain. He was an inspiration to some and an irritant to others. And that's often what the pioneer is, an inspiration to some and an irritant to others. And as the pioneer sparks movement, it can be inspiring to some and irritating to others. Because the challenge is we and the Salvation Army is no different from many other organizations. Movements start and spark, and then we put some structure, then we build organization, then we build policy, then we have procedure, and on and on and we build and we shape and we build and we shape and this organic nature of life is just organized out squeezed out and what was a dynamic messy pioneering innovative adaptive work becomes steady safe ordered organized settled and the reality is this when the land when the terrain when the world is known and safe and stable, then management wins out. When the environment is known, safe and stable, management wins out because we can just plan and organize and be efficient and keep things rumbling and rolling forward. 
But when the land is unknown, when the environment is unsafe, and when the terrain is unstable, we need to be adaptive. We need to respond and react. What got us here won't get us there. It cannot just be the same old, same old. And so we have a moment. We have been disrupted by COVID, but actually and ultimately we as Christians are called to be disruptive, not destructive, but disruptive. We are called to be different and bring difference. And so as we consider this, my hope is that there is something of a sense of conviction. As you hear me talk about movement and disruption, there's something that rises in your soul, something where you know that you are called to this. But the challenge is also, how do we do it? What's the first step? What's the big step? And so what I hope to do in the next few minutes and then the second talk is just to put some skeleton around this process. So movement, what is movement? Well, we, and there's many other definitions of movement, we would define movement as held together by three things. Held together by number one, a common cause. Movement has a common cause, a narrative, a story, a purpose, a cause that unites people together. It's not just a vision statement on a website or a paycheck or an organizational motto. It is a cause. It is a kingdom cause. It is a greener pasture. It is a north star. It's the orientation of our energy, our effort, our resources, our identity, our ministry towards a kingdom goal. And often that common cause is beyond one person and even beyond the whole group. It's almost a, a transcendent cause. It goes beyond us. Because if your cause is something you can do in your own strength, it's merely a to-do list. If your cause is something you can do in your own strength, it's merely a to-do list. And honestly, God bless you. Go do it. Get on with it. But actually, how do we have our hearts won for something beyond ourselves? To recapture Christianity as movement. To reimagine the world transforming power of the church. To dream of every member, every part of the body built up, playing its part, shoulder to shoulder, being good news and bringing good news. So movements are held together by a common cause. They're also held together by shared values. So there is a common set of ideas and ideals, values that shape the way that we see the world and the way that we interact with the world. So our values shape our actions and our interactions. So we together, not it's not a common set of vehicles. It's not we all do this. It's a common set of values, which is culture. So we are one with a shared set of ideas or ideals. We have the same scorecard in the way that we see the world and the way that we interact with the world. And then finally, movements are held together by relational bonds. There's the communitas that 
Alan talks about in The Forgotten Ways. There is a camaraderie where we come together in a challenge and against or for a great battle. And so movements held together, a common cause, shared values, relational bonds, and movements are self-generating and self-replicating. Self-generating, they're not an edict from head office. They're not a centrally driven program. They're not something that one or two people push forward with their charisma or their capacity. They are self-generating and self-replicating. A ministry is the influence and effort that one person or place can have. A movement is when the influence and impact goes beyond that personal place to the second, third, fourth generation. You can't control movement. You can't manage movement. And so as we think of those huge concepts, that framework, common cause, shared values, relational bonds, self-generating, self-replicating, what does that look like for us? If we bring it down, how do we become a movement maker, plant a seed of movement that not only becomes a tree that becomes an orchard or a forest? All of the DNA is held in that one seed to produce a tree that produces many that moves to an orchard and a forest. So how are we the seed that goes to the ground that produces a great harvest, a harvest more than we could achieve in our own strength? Well, I would suggest as we start our pioneer gathering, first session, there are many ahead of us, both online and then when you gather together in the summer, I would suggest two things, imagination and innovation. Imagination and innovation. Imagination is being able to see new ideas, new concepts, new frames, new images. So imagination is being able to see what doesn't yet exist. So how do we see tomorrow? How do we see what God is doing? How do we see what God desires to do? How do we see new ideas, new concepts, new frames? Imagination. And then the second piece that we need as movement leaders is innovation which is to create new products, new processes, new methods, new entities, new vehicles. So innovation is to create something. And innovation is an iterative process. You don't ever get it right first time. To innovate is to iterate. We prototype, we test, we trial, we grow, we make it, we break it, we learn from it, we improve it. We make it, we break it, we learn from it, we improve it. It's an iterative cycle, a dynamic cycle. So as a pioneer, you need to be prepared to make mistakes, but learn from them. You need to be prepared to dream what feels impossible. You need to be able to see a future that not everyone else will understand, engage with, and even validate. But you're in good company as we think about imagination and innovation. I just wanna read some simple words from scripture to you, often read, but apt for this moment. In 
Isaiah 43. After there's been so much settling, so much, it will be hard, this will be tough, but I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. There's so much around the challenge and the struggle and the stress that they will face at the start of the chapter. When you pass through the waters, you, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's the first thing I'd say to you as pioneers. Fear not. God has redeemed you. God has summoned you by name. You're his. When you pass through the waters, God will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. God says, I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So there is an affirmation of identity, who you are as a pioneer. Hear those words from the start of Psalm uh, of Isaiah 43. But then if we fast forward later on, verse 18, and this is imagination and innovation. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. See, see, imagination. What as a pioneer do you see at the moment? What are you perceiving? What's in your gut? What are you sensing? What are you picking up on the wind? What do you have a, a deep heart cry for? It doesn't probably all make sense. It's not fully clear. It's not crystal yet, but there's something that you see that God's doing. Because in the rubble, in the disruption, the gift and the grace of a pioneer is you can see the potential to rebuild. You can see the potential of a new plot of land. You can see the potential for something that God might be doing. See. And then I am doing a new thing. Doing innovation. What are you pursuing at the moment? What are you piloting at the moment? What are you trying and testing at the moment? You won't get it right first time, but actually God is doing something new. You get to see what he's doing and perceive a greener pasture, a preferred tomorrow, a better future, and partner with what God is doing right now. And so the first breakout, I want to pose two questions to you. The first one is, what are you seeing? What are you perceiving? 
Where is God sparking your imagination? Where there's a gut, a hope, a conviction, a sense of what God might be doing and stirring for the future. And the second question is, what are you doing? What are you pursuing right now? Where are you trying and testing and prototyping and piloting that in all this disruption, you're feeling your way forward, you're failing your way forward, you're beginning to get a sense of what God's doing by practice as well as by the prophetic. So the imagination is the more prophetic and the innovation is the more practical, but both are vital for movement. And so I'm just going to pause for a second just to give you a moment's silence before we send you into your breakout rooms. We're in a moment of disruption. We're in the moment of disruption. The world is volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. But we are made as pioneers for those moments of disruption. And how do we respond? With imagination and with innovation. Imaginationing, allowing the spirit to help us to see what God is doing, to dream and see new concepts, a new future, a new tomorrow, and innovation. What is God doing in you and through you, actually with your hands, with your work, with your leadership, creating new products, new processes, new vehicles, new entities, new, your imagination has flesh on it. What are you seeing and what are you doing right now? God's words to you, see, I am doing a new thing. in the second piece is just I'm going to use my whiteboard and draw and give you just some language and a framework for the movement journey so what does it look like for us to be able to go on that movement journey so I'm going to open up my there we go so you should be able to see a whiteboard a little bit of me but mostly a whiteboard so I finished the first talk naming and referencing Jesus, the ultimate disruptor and ultimate unlocker of dreams. If we look at and talk about movements, we have to start and honestly finish with Jesus, who came into our midst, took a small ragtag bunch, spoke to the crowds, but called to his shoulder a small core group of disciples, men and women of faith, who he invested in, they were immersed in his world, on his shoulder, in his dust, in his shadow, able to see firsthand, not just the words that were spoken to the masses on the mountainside, but actually see those words become flesh in his life, in his leadership. And he placed in them the resources and then the resourcing of the Holy Spirit for them to become movement makers. They went from fishermen and tax collector and religious zealot to disciples, to leaders, to church planters, to movement makers. A huge transformation. And we are part of the, the stone that was dropped into the lake of history. Those ripples, we are part of that process. And so as we think about movement, I want to just draw 
a frame that helps you to see what it looks like to follow the way of Jesus. And this is 15 minutes. So we are talking whistle stop tour on fast forward rather than deep. But I'd encourage you to take a little bit of time to do some reading and heritage and history. Look back over the Gospels, reflect on the history and heritage of the Salvation Army as you think about movement. Not just my words, but actually your heritage and your savior. So as we think about movement, what I talked about, I used Isaiah 43, but I could have quite easily used the Gospels. When we think about Jesus, I can draw this image. And this is the image that we use when we talk about movement. And this image, this frame is one that you can see marked on the Gospels, the life and leadership of Jesus. You can see it in Exodus with the journey of the people of Israel. You can read it in Psalm 23. It is the down and through process of change. So we find ourselves, if we think of Psalm 23, that's our patchy field, our present. We've got our greener pasture and we've got our journey through the valley of the shadow of death. And often when we think about, and honestly, when we hear about leadership, movement, fruit, growth, the rhetoric is always upward to the right. It's always growth, fruitfulness, buy our product, buy into our system, use this vehicle, do it this way, and it'll get better and better and better and better. But the process of change and the process of sparking movement is always down and through the valley. The seed that goes to the ground to produce a great harvest, the crucifixion in the valley allows the resurrection to come out the valley. And so as we think about movement, this is the picture that I would encourage you to think about. So going back to the language I used, imagination and innovation. Imagination is seeing that greener pasture, imagining a preferred tomorrow. What is the promised land? What is the greener pasture? What is the ascension and gifting of the Holy Spirit to spark these disciples to become movement makers through Acts and beyond? We have to see that North Star, that greener pasture. And then innovation is stepping out and stepping into that and making our imagination real. Our preferred tomorrow becomes our prototype of today. We start and we learn and we fail and we grow our way into seeing what we hope for the future pulled into the present. Alan Kay says, you cannot predict the future, but you can invent it. How as pioneers do you invent the future that you prefer for tomorrow? How do you invent the future that you hope that is off in the future, pull it into the present with energy, effort, experimentation, prototypes, pilots? So we see what God might be doing and we have hope for tomorrow and for the future, but we pull that hope into the present with innovation stepping into that world. And just a really simple way of reading the Gospels. If we look at the life of Jesus, 
and we break it down and this will be whistle stop tour as i said if you think of the way that jesus sparked movements we can break it down into some distinct phases and processes so here if we think of luke chapters one to six jesus operating as a catalyst coming as a disruptor coming to bring change and to be change within the existing system so movement always starts with a catalyst it starts with disruption as we journey through the gospels we see jesus shift and as we read through chapters 7 through 11 he's begin to spark change and at that stage, what Jesus does as a movement maker is move to be a coach. He begins to work with those early adopters, those first followers. I do, you help. You do, I coach. You do, we debrief. You feed them. Sending out, coming back and debriefing. Pulling to him a core group that will be those that begin to embody that vision and that future so he's spoken to the crowds but he's actually called his core his three his 12 his 72 are now beginning to be close proximity investment in formed and shaped and beginning that transformation when we move through 12 to 18 in the gospel of luke we see jesus as the movement maker shifting his focus just as the disciples are beginning to get settled. So I, I, I like this thing. I left a lot behind, but I think this might actually, he might pull this off and this might work. And I'm growing in confidence and starting to argue about who gets to be on his right hand. And this is actually quite a good gig. And I'm getting to see this miracle stuff here. And I'm getting to that. So just as the disciples are getting comfortable in that disciple space, Jesus challenges them and shifts gears to begin to move them towards leadership and begins to move them towards ownership and begins to move them towards partnership. So he's beginning to shift gears and all of the parables and the stories that are told and the examples that are given are helping to blow their minds and stretch their imagination. He begins to talk about the mustard seed, the lost coin, the lost sheep. There is more, he's saying. Your imagination was enough for me to be your Messiah and me to be your rabbi. Now I want to stretch your imagination beyond me to the kingdom, to a kingdom movement, not just being a disciple of Jesus, but a kingdom agent. And so here Jesus becomes the challenger, challenging their imagination to see beyond themselves to see beyond their space as disciples and begin to act and live as leaders and then finally we read luke and obviously luke authoring acts we move in to 18 to the end and then into acts one and onwards we see the gear shift again and in this place jesus the movement maker sets them up to go beyond him self-generating self-replicating he gifts them every resource they need for them to go do the stuff to go beyond 
him. Not personal ministry, but kingdom movement. He begins the process where he is a champion for them to step into movement. They go from fisherman, tax collector, religious zealot, to disciple, to leader, to movement maker. That's the process through the gospel. That's the process of Jesus taking raw material and doing something beautiful. Catalyst, coach, challenger, champion. Chapters 1 to 6, 7 to 11, 12 to 18, 18 to the end. There is a model and a frame that we can follow in Jesus and through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be able to unlock in us what is possible. And so as we think about movement, as we think about both seeing what is ahead and then sparking in the present, what we desire to see, those two dynamics, seeing, imagination, sparking, innovation. As we follow the person of Jesus, I would suggest there are three things for you to attend to. And I want to put them before you as the final thing that I'll say. There is lots more ground that we could cover, but I want to give you three places for you to begin to think. If you're to follow the way of Jesus as a movement maker, three things. We need a guidebook, we need a phrase book, and we need a playbook. And honestly, we need a new guidebook, we need a new phrase book, and a new playbook. As you think about a new guidebook, we need to understand the territory. And honestly, it is as if there's been an earthquake. If you imagine a city that you knew that was ravaged with an earthquake, the buildings would not be the same. The landmarks would not be the same. The street that was here has vanished. The building that was there that I always used to is gone. There's rubble. And so we can't use the maps that have got us so far. So as we think about the guidebook, honestly, I would use this as your guidebook. What I would do is ha have yourself in prayer, in community and in context, begin to seek God and ask him to reveal a greener pasture. What is a preferred tomorrow for you? A place of hope, a kingdom vision. Name your status quo. Be honest about where you start. I'm in Edinburgh. If I'm trying to get to London, if I start in Edinburgh to get to London, that's very different than if I'm in Cardiff or Bristol or Milton Keynes. Knowing where you start determines the journey. And then set yourself a task and set yourself some mile markers and set yourself a traveling set of companions. Begin to build who's traveling with you milestones who is going to hold you accountable community what's the north star so begin to think we need a new guidebook what's your greener pasture and who is with you and how will you journey through the valley of the shadow of death we need a new phrase book and this phrase book will both be reimagining and re-enchanting and redefining existing terms 
as well as beginning to talk in new terms and new frames and new forms. So when I say church or discipleship or leadership, our brain that works in mental shortcuts just goes straight to a definition. So there are some words that we need to re-enchant and reimagine, but there are other pieces of language that bring a sense of agency and awareness to a new reality in a new way. So as we think about our phrase book, I'd encourage you to think about both terms and icons. So terms, words, but also icons, images. So we need to think about words. What are well-worn definitions that need to be reimagined and re-enchanted? And what are new pieces of conversation and language and vocab that we need to bring in and introduce and then icons or images. We live in a visual culture. Images deliver a lot of code. Just think of the iPhone apps or the logos that we see all around us. How do you paint a picture of your preferred tomorrow visually as well as verbally? We need to be adept in our visual communication as well as our verbal communication, capture people's imagination for tomorrow and help them to innovate. And then finally, we need a new playbook. And the way that I would talk about this is the balance of skeleton, skin, and spirit. Skeleton, skin, and spirit. We see in Ezekiel these bones coming together to create a skeleton flesh on them and then the spirit of God into them, breath into them. And as we think about a playbook, how should we respond? How should we lead? What is our strategy? How do we train others? We need to be clear on our skeleton. I have a skeleton strong and firm under the surface. So what is your skeleton? Where are you intentional? What are your core principles? What are your core values? What are your core beliefs? Be strong and intentional with your skeleton. But then your skin, on top of my skeleton is a skin. I have a different skin and a different skin tone to, and body shape to each of you. So the skin is what you see, you touch, you engage with, and the skin is the context. And that's where the creativity comes. So you're intentional and disciplined with your skeleton and you're creative and contextual with your skin. So there's no one size fits all when you're pioneering. The context determines the form, but the essence is the same across the Salvation Army. And skeleton and skin are nothing without spirit. We have to look for the work of God. We have to hunger for the presence of God. We have to be dependent on our partnership with God. So as we think about our playbook, we need intentionality on the skeleton. We need creativity on the skin and we need dependency on the spirit. Intentionality on the skeleton, our core principles, creativity on our skin, our contextualization and dependency on the spirit. So guidebook, you need a map. 
but it's a new map as a pioneer. Phrasebook, we need to re-enchant existing terms and we need to invent together a new language, a new phrasebook and playbook. Not one size fits all, not one vehicle fits all, not one tool fixes all, but intentional about our principles, creative and contextualized and dependent on the spirit. You have the potential for movement within you. A seed becomes a tree, becomes a forest. Plant that seed of movement and allow God to bring the harvest. His domain are the outcomes and outputs and results. Your domain and your responsibility is obedience and faithfulness. So own the factor of seed, plant it prayerfully and purposefully, and allow God to use you and your devotion, your obedience, your faithfulness to do a great thing. And honestly, it's an old thing. It's a Jesus thing. It's an early church thing. It's a Salvation Army thing. It's recapturing and reimagining church's movement, Christianity's movement, following in the way of Jesus. And so as we come into the second breakout, we're nearly done. What I want you to think about is this. As you think about Jesus, the movement maker, catalyst, coach, challenger, champion, which is the space that feels the strongest and closest to your natural style and natural strengths of leadership? And which is the bit that's the hardest, the bit that feels the biggest stretch? That's the question now. And then the homework is for you to think about guidebook, phrasebook, and playbook. But you're going to have some time in your group. So think catalyst, coach, challenger, champion. Where are you most naturally able to spark movement and lead and live into movement of those four dynamics? And which feels the, the weakest for you? Um, a couple of things there, Rich, particularly in regard to the guidebook, the phrasebook, the playbook. Um, does anyone actually want to ask what you've got a chance, a direct question of Rich? We wanted to give you a chance to do so, ho hopefully short and succinct. Um, uh, you can be as brutally honest with him as you want, to be honest. Um, he's a good friend. So does anyone want to ask a question? You just put your hand up um, or challenge, or is there anything that you heard that you want clarification on? Does anyone want to ask anything direct of him? Don't be shy, because I'll just name you and get you to ask the question. Get ready, Andrew Cooper. Um, no, they've all gone shy, Rich, on me. They've all gone shy. Okay. Um, Rich, I'm going to ask you one if I may, because I've got it scribbled down here anyhow. Um, the Salvation Army does have quite a number of guidebook, phrase books, and playbooks. Um, we even have variations on a theme of guidebook playbooks and phrase books what are you suggesting therefore we've got to rewrite everything or are you i mean you're not saying we get rid of the scriptures are you you're not saying that i'm just saying that out loud because i can just hear someone going to ask me that question in the morning that's not what you're saying is it or is it no that is not what i'm saying andrew so we, we've got the recording uh, no what what i what i mean by it is that Often what happens to an organization is sometimes, yes, there would be two or three really bad decisions that gets them into trouble, a bad decision, an obvious decision, a left turn and a struggle. 
often where organizations struggle is six or seven average decisions that just take a little compromise, a little left turn, a little right turn. We add this, we build this, we add this, we do this, then we change this. And then suddenly we find ourselves where we don't want to be organizationally. And so what I think is important to do in these moments is just to stop and review. So there's just a sense of not taking everything as our terminology, everything as our frame, everything as our process, because we are perfectly designed to achieve what we're achieving. So if if you are in third, fourth generation growth, producing disciples, seeing leaders multiplied, seeing people coming to faith and actually living in the fullness of an act reality, then you probably don't need to do anything tomorrow morning and probably don't need to listen to the talk again. But the reality is we are not and we need something of God's spirit to renew what exists and also to reimagine and redefine what exists. So it isn't the kind of overswing of throw everything out and start everything again, but it is looking with fresh eyes to what exists. And that's the phrase book, the guidebook and the playbook. Um, And so there will be lots within all three of those domains that are really healthy, really strong, really good to take with you. But there will be some things that were right for a season or need to be reimagined or reset. And so everything needs to be on the altar, on the table to have that robust, prayerful, open conversation as to what's next. So there's a there's a term, Maya. M-A-Y-A, which is coined by a a designer who created lots of, he's a a designer who creates logos, and it's most advanced yet acceptable. So he he would talk about a change process, most advanced yet acceptable. So on lots of sociological studies, everyone says they want change, but they don't want too much change. So if it's too much change, you lose people's engagement. So it can't be we've completely rewritten X, Y, Z and we're completely re because everyone just goes, that's to count me out. So it's stretching, but stretch to a point where it's not a rubber band snap back, but it's stretch, consolidate and stretch. So it's looking again with fresh eyes, taking what is strength from the past and from the present, but also allowing what, what is the new thing that God's doing that he desires to bring something of his new revelation into what exists currently. Rich, as you said that, you don't know this, I almost felt like you prophesied to the Salvation Army there. You were talking about, you know, don't change too much. And what you don't probably know is we're going through yet another radical administrative change, it seems, um, in the future. And um, the scripture that came to mind as you were speaking was from Joshua as well. You know, do not turn to the left and to the right. The importance of keeping uh, focused on the guide and the pathway as well. Is it true, therefore, that it's really important that we know where we want to go using your analogy from Edinburgh, from Cardiff and from wherever else? You have a destination in mind, but you're coming from a different route. Am I right in hearing what you said there? Absolutely, because your your guidebook, your phrasebook and your toolbook, your your playbook and guidebook and phrasebook are helping you on a journey towards somewhere. So if if I jump in the car, but have no idea where I'm going, I can drive and be busy 
and drive and drive and drive. But actually, but if you don't know where you're going, if you don't start with the end in mind, you just eventually run out of petrol or time or patience or all three. And often the, the challenge is unless we've defined this is our shared greener pasture, our shared future that we desire, and then this is mine within and alongside others, absolutely, we, we do need to know where we're going because the organisation and the structure should serve the organic mm. and the vision-based and the, the future purpose, not the other way around. It's not, here's the structure and how much vision can we sit underneath what exists as a structure. So structure should serve and support and undergird the process of moving purposefully and prayerfully towards a shared a shared future and a shared tomorrow. So structures should enable, not hinder, I think is what yes. you're saying. Okay, yep. that's helpful. Thank you. Um, I, I don't know why when you were talking about driving and metaphors there, I looked at my wife on the, call, um, the phone call tonight and thought, thought to myself, well, Andrea is the only person that can go to um, Huddersfield via Hull. And for those who live in the north and the M62, they're totally in opposite directions. Um, but I remember sitting in the back seat thinking, I'm sure we shouldn't be going this way. But of course, if you trust the sat nav, you assume it knows where it's heading. Sometimes you need to trust your own instincts as well. I think that's just a word for us each. Rich, I want to thank you for your time tonight. Um, we will do this with all of our speakers because you are a friend, well, a dear friend to ourselves. I have to say, we carry a privilege, myself and Andrea, to have journeyed with you over these last years. I really thought it would be helpful for us to hear and to allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us as a representative group of the Salvation Army tonight. You know, we're saying that some are pioneers. There are some people who are that gifted disruptor, that irritant. But we are all fundamentally called to this work of pioneering. We are all called to propose an alternative way, whether that be in chaplaincy, in our life houses, in our community expressions, in our workplaces, in our churches. This is something we all are called to do. We're, we're passionate about this mission message. Rich, therefore, from a friend, but someone who is outside of this peculiar organisation, called the Salvation Army, what do you see is the biggest challenge that we face in the years to come and also the biggest hope that is available to us? Um, well, to, to use your words to answer the question, Andrew, um, what I think is your greatest strength, gift, hope is that you are and can be, again, a dynamic movement. and probably one of your greatest challenges is that you're a peculiar organization. Um, and I think those are two sides of the, the same coin. So I think the Salvation Army is one of the few genuine dynamic movements within the UK. They, they don't happen every week. They don't happen every year. There is a heritage, a history that you have in your embryo and inception was a prophetic pioneering movement it broke the mold it broke ground it went where others hadn't gone and feared to tread and so that's not forgotten or lost it may need dusting off it may need kind of air and oxygen blown on the embers but it is there in your identity and your heritage and so your history 
can be your future. And actually who you are can be reimagined and reinvigorated for the future. So it's not that you're trying to do something you've never done before. It's actually in the muscle memory and the identity. So I think that's your greatest treasure is, is who you are, who you've always been. This is just a new expression. You as a group of leaders are next charged into stepping into extending the identity, the core identity and purpose of the Salvation Army. So that's the hope, the heart. I think, <laughs> to use your words, of the peculiar organisation, um, I think the challenge is the movement has become more organised, more structured, and the danger is that the, the structures don't undergird and support the organic life and the movemental dynamics, but at points they can maybe kind of cap or sit on top of or squeeze the life out of it and it's not this is principalities and powers and organizational structures it's not people and flesh and blood but there has to be a reimagining of what a lighter weight more dynamic more adaptive more supportive structure is and an organization that supports the organic growth of movement again into the new season so I think they're almost two sides of the same coin. You're a, a, a dynamic movement with a wonderful history. And that is housed in a peculiar organization. And not everything is peculiar and not everyone is peculiar, but there is something of a, a resetting and a reimagining of structure as well as activity and ministry and movement, I think, for you in this moment. But if anyone can, you guys can. Yeah, and are you, are you guys on the call tonight prepared to take that challenge up? Because there's clearly God is at work within the Salvation Army right now. That's why the chaos stuff is going on. And if you study anything about missional thinking, we talk about the chaotic nature of church and the mission. We need chaos. We actually need it because it shows us that the organic nature. I think John Harris put a comment in the chat box, actually, that talks about finding the sweet spot of mission in the organic community space. And actually we need to understand that's what God is calling us to. Um, unashamedly, been a minister now 30 odd years in the Salvation Army. I'm absolutely convinced we live in a very exciting, almost prophetic time for us as a movement. And, and don't we want that? Don't we long that for our neighbors? Don't we long that for our clients, our, our people groups, our friends, our loved ones? Don't we long for the reality of Jesus to break through in the midst of the chaos? That's our prayer, friends. That's what we're praying to happen so that it's not just some who are pioneers, but we're all going to pioneer a new alternative way of living. This is within the DNA of our movement. We were never created to be a nice little twee, comfortable church. We were called to be a group, dare I say, of misfits, even of outcasts, where we proclaimed whosoever will may come. All are welcome, all are loved, and all Jesus died for. Friends, let's not forget who we are. Let's not forget who God wants us to be. Um, Rich, thank you for your time tonight. It's great to call you.